So we're reading Philippians 2, starting at verse 1 to 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from, love, from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every time confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thank you so much, Maria. I'd like to uh, continue to read in Philippians chapter 2. We'll jump now to verse 19. And uh, verses 19 to 30 are the verses that I want to preach from this morning. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he's been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am all the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honour such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Well, these are the um, verses I want us to uh, think about this morning. Let's just pause again in prayer before we consider them. Our Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we pray that you would speak to us now uh, from your word. We pray that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would challenge us and encourage us from your word. And we pray that you would give us attentive hearts and listening ears. And we pray that your word would build us up 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's interesting to think about who our culture likes to honour. We honour the bright and the successful, the ducks of the school, the scholarship winner. We honour those who have achieved great things, Nobel Prize winners and those on the New Year's Honours list. We honour the glamorous, the sporty, the rich, the famous. We love winners. Think of the Oscars, the Olympics, the AFL Hall of Fame. And because in our culture the successful are honoured, we can find ourselves wanting to climb the ladder of success. We want better grades, better looks, a better job, a better house. We want to go up the ladder which brings the honour and the respect of the people around us. But the reality is, try as we might to be successful and beautiful and famous, most of us won't really get very far up the ladder of success. But while the world may not honour us, the king of this world just might. God has an altogether different honour system to that used in our world. And at the end of this chapter, we meet two men who are honoured greatly in the Bible, in God's word. These are two men that God honours. We're given really two snapshots, one of Timothy, one of this man called Epaphroditus. And the two snapshots of people who are honoured are really very encouraging to us and also very challenging. But in order to understand these snapshots of those whom God honours, we first of all need to start further back in Philippians 2, in that passage from verses 1 to 11. Look, for example, at verses 3 and 4. It says there, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What a call that is. A call to think more about other people than about yourself. To esteem them more highly. It's really a call to self-forgetfulness. Most of us aren't very self-forgetful. We're actually very self-conscious. I don't know how it is with you, but if a group photo is taken and then you see a print uh, of that photograph, who do you look for first? (laughs) I think... I very easily go looking for where I am in that photo. And then if you're like me, you sort of, oh, oh, that's awful, and we kind of cringe. We're so self-conscious of how we're coming across, what we look like. Am I okay? How are others perceiving me? But the gospel calls us to self-forgetfulness. Why is that? 
quite simply because we were saved by the most self-forgetful person who has ever walked this earth. This was the very heart and mind of Jesus Christ. His mindset, we're told in, in verses 5 and following, was that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He was equal to God. He, he is and always has been equal to God. But he didn't grasp his position of power and authority. He humbled himself. He lowered himself. He descended the ladder. He became obedient to his father. He became obedient to the point of death. And he died the death of a criminal. He took on himself our sin, our shame, and bore the wrath of God in our place. He saved us by being utterly self-forgetful, self-sacrificial. And then God exalted him. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And so that becomes the shape of gospel living for all followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Humbled and then exalted. Not trying to climb the ladder, but descending the ladder. And God lifting up the lowly. We are called to have that mindset. Look at verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. As we're united with Christ, this becomes the heart attitude of followers of Jesus Christ. So at the end of Philippians chapter 2, we now have snapshots of two men who were self-forgetful and two men whom God honoured. They're actually two quite different pictures. One is a picture of godly concern, and the other is a picture of honourable risk. I want us to look at those two pictures now. First of all, the picture of godly concern. Paul wanted to send Timothy to the Philippian church. He would actually love to have gone himself, but he is in prison. He is unable to go. He hopes he'll be able to go soon. But for now, he'll send Timothy. Why Timothy? Well, one thing made him a standout candidate, and it's there in verse 20. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy is a standout because he is so concerned for other people. In a selfish world, that was a standout performance. The word that Paul uses here is really quite fascinating. When he says, uh, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, He's saying no one like him who's genuinely anxious, worried for your welfare. There are other places in the scriptures where Jesus teaches us not to be anxious, not to worry. 
We're not to worry about food and drink and clothing. We're not really to worry about our health and our life. We're to trust God in those things. But there are things we should be, if you like, worried about, deeply concerned and burdened about. We should be concerned, if you like, anxious, worried about other people and about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be deeply concerned about evil in this world and sin in our hearts and in the lives of other people. It's like the worry of a parent over a child. <laughs> Let's say your, your kid is making some bad choices in life. They're getting into some dodgy stuff. They're, uh, they're, they're off the tracks and... How do you feel about that as a parent? You are deeply concerned. You are burdened, if you like. You are anxious about where they are at. That's not sin. That's love. Timothy was like that. His deep concern was not his grades or his looks or his investment portfolio, or his holiday plans. His deep concern, his heart, was for other people. He's not honoured for having three zillion followers on Facebook, preaching amazing sermons and writing a whole lot of books. None of that. He's honoured for his love of people. As I said, in a selfish world, that was a standout performance. That's challenging, isn't it? I wonder what the big concerns of your heart are. I wonder what the things are that make you anxious and burdened. Are they things going on for yourself? Or are they burdens for other people? Are the deep concerns of your heart your stuff or God's stuff. I think that's challenging, but I also think it's incredibly encouraging because I know that many of you have a heart just like Timothy's. For many of you, your big thing is not being rich and famous. It's not being at the top of the ladder. You want to serve. You want to care for others. You want to invest in the lives of other people. Many of you have a great heart for this church. You love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You love the people of this church. Many of you love the hub. And your heart grieves over where that ministry is at. And you've wept about that. And you've prayed about that. Your heart is that you just long to see the church united and healthy and growing and you want to see people saved and you want to see what's right and what's just and what is good done in our community and our society. Friends, that is a gospel heart. And that is a heart honoured by God. And that means the Lord honours us 
just for loving and supporting and caring for one another. He honours us for caring deeply about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, for being people who serve in the church and who pray for the church. He honours those who invest in the work of the gospel and have a heart for other people. That's the first picture of those whom the Lord honours, those with godly concern. But just as Paul wants to send Timothy to the Philippians, so he wants to send Epaphroditus back to the Philippians. And we come to the second picture of those whom God honours. The first was a picture of godly concern. The second is a picture of honourable risk. Honourable risk. Now, there are lots of uh, names in the Bible that have become very popular in uh, recent years, but I don't yet know any little kids called Epaphroditus. So if any of you are planning on having another kid and thinking about uh, a name, there's a thought, you know, little Epaphroditus. You could uh, abbreviate it, Pappy, or probably as Australians, Papo. Uh, just, just a little suggestion for a name choice. The Philippians had sent Pappy to Paul. As I said, Paul was in prison. And the Philippian church were, were partners with Paul in the work of the gospel. And so they had sent Epaphroditus to him to minister to him. They'd sent a generous financial gift via Pappy. In fact, Philippians is in many ways a thank you letter to the Philippian church. They'd sent Epaphroditus to minister to Paul, to encourage him and to comfort him in his present situation. But you don't have to read much between the lines to see that basically the whole thing went wrong. First up, Epaphroditus got sick. Really sick. In fact, he nearly died. The Philippian church heard that he was sick and they were worried about him. Epaphroditus heard that the church was worried about him and that he was worried about them. And so not only is he sick, but now he longs to see them. He wants to go back. He's not only sick, but he's homesick. Verse 26, he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. Well, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, Paul says, but also on me, lest I should have had sorrow upon sorrow. God spared Epaphroditus, but now Paul has come to a point where he says, look, it's just best that I send him home. That will be good for everyone. It'll be good for you. You're worried about him. It'll be good for him. He's worried about you. It'll be good for me, Paul says. I'll be less anxious if I just send this guy home. Bottom line, this whole mission was a bit of a disaster. Uh, nice try, but it didn't work out. That's the bottom line. Or is it? Actually, if you read to the end of this passage, that is not the bottom line 
at all. Paul is not sending him back as a failure. He's sending him back more like a hero. Look at what he says in verse 29. Receive him in the Lord with all joy and honour such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Receive him with joy. Honour him. And Paul himself honours Epaphroditus. If you go back to verse 25, look at the language that Paul uses to describe this man. He says, he's my brother. He's my fellow worker. He's my fellow soldier. He's your messenger, literally your apostle sent to me, your minister. Five terms that he uses to, to speak honourably of Epaphroditus. He honours him not for the success or otherwise of his mission. He honours him for his heart. He had laid his life on the line. He'd served at great personal cost. He's, he'd risked his very life for the cause of Christ. That is truly honourable. Now, long ago, when I was at school, we used to get these short reports. I don't know whether there's still a system like this at schools today. But in, in the little short report, there were basically just two lines. The top line was achievement, and it had like A, B, C, D, E. And the second line was attitude, one, two, three, four, five. Well, I used to get uh, reports that had letters like D1. <laughs> uh, back in the day, I was not remotely academic and didn't really enjoy school that much. Uh, and D1 basically meant Murray has tried really, really hard, that's the one, but he failed. That's the D. It was a horrible kind of a grade to get. I knew kids who would get A5. That means they've stuffed around all year, they've barely done anything, but they were top of the class. Well, when I got things like a D1, my parents would try to say to me, Murray, that's, that's fine. We only really care about the second line, how hard you've tried. Well, that was a pretty hard sell to a young boy. But actually, that's spot on. That is also what God looks at. Our world keeps looking at what we've achieved. They're really only interested in the top line. They're really only interested in us if it's an A. And yet God here honours someone who's given it their all, laid their life on the line, tried their very best, taken risks for the sake of of the gospel. Uh, that's, that's challenging. That's challenging because it says we actually need to take gospel risks and lay it on the line for the cause of Christ. I think too easily we can play it safe in the Christian life. 
we avoid risk because we actually will only take on what we think will succeed. We'll only take something on if we're pretty sure it'll be an A or maybe a B in achievement. So we avoid sharing our faith because it might not go well. We avoid taking on a role at church or in a ministry because maybe we won't succeed. We avoid planning a church because it might not work out. But Paul maps here a different paradigm. One modelled on the life of Jesus Christ. The life of Jesus wasn't exactly a success story in worldly terms, was it? Born in poverty, gathered around him just a few very ordinary people during his earthly ministry. At the end of his life, his closest followers abandoned him. Uh, One denied him. Another betrayed him. He was handed over to the Romans. He was killed as a criminal. But God honoured him. God exalted him, lifted it up, gave him the highest name because it was through his self-forgetfulness, through his risk, that he achieved the salvation of our souls. And so now, following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, we are called to take honourable risks for the sake of Christ. I actually think again of the hub, and I think it's good for us to reflect on this in that light. When I think about the hub, I see men and women and families who have risked much for the cause of the gospel. They've given it their all. They've laid their lives and some of them their livelihoods on the line. They've served. They've suffered. They've worked really hard. They have been like Epaphroditus, gospel soldiers, gospel workers, gospel labourers. And irrespective of the outcome of the hub, the Bible says, honour people like that. As they rejoin us in online services, as they go through this transition, I think verse 29 speaks very loudly to us. Receive them in the Lord with all joy and honour people like them, for they took risks to serve Jesus Christ. When they come back amongst us, we should love them and receive them and honour them. And we should do the same in our own church community as we see people stepping out, stepping up, taking risks, taking stuff on, trying stuff for the cause of the gospel. We ought to rejoice in that, irrespective of how it works out, and honour those who have such a heart for Jesus Christ, they're prepared to put things on the line. For him. And it's interesting, isn't it? Our culture does actually honour that. 
Last week, our nation still found a way of honouring the Anzacs. Quite beautiful, really, wasn't it? At the end of driveways, little gatherings of people, up at 5.30 in the morning, in the dark, candles and, and people streaming services and trumpets blowing. Why? Because we recognise that there's actually nothing more honourable than laying down your life for another. In our most sober moments, we realise that an unnamed soldier is more of a hero than an Oscar winner. So here are the two pictures at the end of this chapter. Godly concern and honourable risk. And both pictures reflect the person of greatest honour. They're really just faint reflections of Jesus Christ himself. His godly, truly godly concern saw him come into our world for our sake, taking such an interest in our lives that he forsook his own. He came to be the friend of sinners. What godly concern that is. And his most honourable risk was not, not merely to put his life on the line, but to lay down his life, a sacrifice for sinners. And now, exalted to the highest place, given the name that is above every name, now it is as we bow before him that he will work in our hearts his own mindset, his own heart attitude. We'll grow in godly concern and in honourable risk-taking as we dwell on Jesus Christ as we look to him, as we delight in what he has done for us. We'll grow in this mindset as we humble ourselves before him. It's as we look to his love and his grace. It's as we humble ourselves and cast ourselves on him. It's as we honour him that he will work in our hearts more godly concern more gospel risk-taking. The more we love our Saviour, the more we will learn from him to live the kind of lives that God honours. Well, let's uh, join together in prayer, shall we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, we do honour you. Raised to the highest place, given the name above every name, you are Lord. You are King. And we praise and thank you for your godly concern for us and for the enormous risks you took to bring us to salvation. And we pray that you would increase our love for yourself, and that as we 
put you first in our lives. We pray that you would work in our hearts these attitudes that God honours. Help us not to chase the honours of the world that are really so fleeting and so hard to attain. Give us hearts of deep concern for others. Give us an attitude where we are prepared to take risks as we serve you. And we pray that in this way you would be even more honoured and glorified amongst us. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.